fire up the live stream. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is, uh, you will recognize this passage because of the first half of the chapter is, Pastor already did a lesson on this when, we, when he's talking about standards and convictions, all right? And this was with, uh, in regards to long hair on men and short hair on women. Uh, we're going to get into it, but I, wanna, I want you to notice something pretty interesting here. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that portion of it just because he just did a lesson on it. We'll, we'll touch on it a little bit um, and some of the important parts. And then the second half of the chapter is about communion. And uh, this, is, this is Paul. Remember, uh, the second half of this book is Paul addressing questions that they had. So my best guess would be that when Paul got this letter from the Corinthians, from the house of Chloe, Chloe was saying, hey, there, here's all these issues they're having. Can you address these? And then she, in that letter, she sent questions the church had saying, hey, what do, how do we deal with this? So when we get into the communion, the Lord's Supper here in the second half of the, of the chapter, uh, there was obviously some that were doing it the right way. They were, they were doing the Lord's Supper the way it was intended to be done, and there were others that were not. And so they're talking to Paul Hey, should this, should this be something we correct, or is it fine? And that's what Paul addresses. But look at verse 1 of chapter 11. And I want, I want you to see something. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And then verse 2, he says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. And he continues on. But it, do you notice anything... And this might be a very vague question, uh, but verse 1, does it seem like it fits there to you all? Does it seem like it fits in that spot? It's, it's very kind of random to me. Be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. And then he gets, starts right into uh, talking about long hair and short hair on men and women and the differences and all that. I think, and, and I was reading on this when I was, when I was studying, somebody was talking about it, and I never really paid attention. We are familiar with these verses, so we just, we read them, we scoot on through them. But the chapter and verse divisions were not originally part of the Bible, right? So, so men came in to make it easier to find uh, passages, to make it, the divi to break it up, to make it make sense a little bit more maybe, because my wife has one of these. It's a paragraph Bible, and it just shoots right on through. And uh, hard, hard to find your spot, you know, when you, when you uh, are looking for a passage. But I think here what happened is Paul, and not that it's not that big a deal. I think it's just interesting. I think verse 1 should be verse 34 of chapter 10. Because Paul's talking about Christian liberty, and his conclusion to Christian liberty is, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Remember, chapter 10 was Paul saying, hey, this is my example that I'm leaving for you. Live like I am. And verse 1 would be the end of that chapter. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Another reason I think that is because verse 2, remember Paul's transition all the time is now. Right? He says now. Moving on to the next subject. Well, that's in verse 2. So I think it's interesting. Like I said, it's not that big a deal. The chapter and verse divisions are not, uh, they're not uh, inspired by God. But um, a lot of people say, well, that verse one is the introduction to the rest of the book. I think it's a conclusion to uh, the end of chapter 10. And then verse two, now I praise you, brethren. He starts in verse uh, two, should be. But anyway, so I'm not 
saying, hey, make that verse 34. I just think it's an interesting spot. That um, doesn't really make a lot of sense for chapter 11. And I think it is a conclusion of chapter 10. Because then in verse 2, now, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and I keep the ordinances I del- and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. So having said that, verse 2 is where we're going to start on this. Um, and I think this is interesting. It's an interesting uh, or, or an important thing to remember, and I think maybe more for pastors, but we can also do it for, for our children too. Um, I think praise goes a lot further than just correction all the time. When you see your kid doing something that they're supposed to do, you praise them for it. You, you say, hey, good job. And I do this with Emma all the time, just her personality. Um, if you stay on her and stay on her and stay on her, correcting, 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 she, you can see her attitude change and she starts to get, I don't know if belligerent's the right word, but she, she starts to push back. But even the smallest, hey, good job feeding the dog without being told, it just you know makes her, it, it changes her attitude, especially first thing in the morning when she wakes up grumpy. But I think that's what Paul's doing here. He's about to correct them. But in verse 2, he starts off, and this is an important thing to remember, he starts off praising them for the things that they're doing right. He says, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. So he, he praises them, says, good job. I'm proud of you for doing these things, but now I'm going to correct you for the things that you're doing wrong. And he jumps right into... Um, the, the, I, I would say, so in my notes, I'm using a, I'm using a template and, and number one here says rules concerning clothing. I don't think that's Paul, was Paul's intention. I don't think he was saying, here's some rules regards to your clothes and things like that. I think he's saying, he's explaining to them why we do what we do because of our position in this chain of authority. Uh, Because you see that right away in verse 3. I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And I was going to put a slide up here. I didn't get around to making it. But if you think of umbrellas, you have God, uh, the overall umbrella. And then you have Christ underneath him. Underneath him is the man. Underneath him is the woman. And I'm not going to really, really dwell on this. Um, I'm just going to pull a few points out of here because we've already, already heard a whole lesson on it. But I think it's important to know that the the woman is not under the man because the man is better than him, I, better than her. I think that's I think we understand that, and I think uh, simple ignorant men. Uh, I'm the head of the home. You're not the head of the home because you're the man. You're the head of the home because that's where God put you. You are the authority over your wife because that's where God put you. And when we try to move that, whether the man is saying, you know what, wife, you run family devotions. I don't feel like doing it. Or the wife is saying, I'm going to make this decision. Most of the time, the wife is making those decisions in the home because the man is not doing his job. But if the man has given her that authority, it's still not right. We've, we are taking what God has set up and changing that chain of authority, and it's not right. So that's what Paul is explaining here. He's saying whether the woman is taking the authority or the man is giving it to her because uh, he doesn't feel like doing it, either way, it's wrong. Then he goes on to talking about hair and some of the different rules in church, so to speak. And like I said, we're going to graze over this, but 
interesting thing to know here. So he talks about uh, the woman having her head covered. And I think very, very likely uh, the culture at this time, the women, uh, remember this is the Middle East, and still to this day, I think that the Muslims are one of the only cultures that really haven't changed since Bible times. I think that's very similar to what they would have looked like uh, back, back then, maybe different materials, but the men would have dressed just like they do now, and the women would have dressed very similar to, to the way they do now. The coverings, the face coverings, the head coverings. And so I think, I think Paul has two things going here. He's saying even nature itself tells you, look around you. The women are covered, and the men have their short hair. But verse 17 is what I want to, uh, what is important to us. It's not verse 17. Where is it? Uh, verse 15. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. So I think Paul is covering that for our situations today. I don't think it's wrong for a woman to wear a hat in church, but I don't think it's required. I don't think it's wrong for a woman to wear some sort of a bonnet or anything like that, but it's not required. As Paul says in verse 15, her hair is given her for a covering. That's about as plain as it can be. Paul's saying the woman has to, needs to have her head covered. If she doesn't have her head covered, she's dishonoring her head, uh, whether that's dishonoring herself or dishonoring her authority. Uh, because, especially back in this day, uh, a criminal, a woman that was a criminal, they would shave her head. It was a shame to her. They would shave her head. A man that shaves his head, no problem. We do it on purpose, right? Start to go a little thin, we buzz it off. It's not a shame to a man, but a, for a woman to walk around with a with a shaved head, it is, it's a shame to her. A woman's hair is her glory, and that's what Paul is saying here. Uh, a woman that doesn't cover her head, or what he's saying in verse 15, who doesn't have her hair nice and long, pastor already taught on this, uh, is a, is a, dis, it's a uh, dishonoring herself and dishonoring her husband, her authority. And same thing with the man. A man having long hair, the Bible says he is dishonoring his head, Christ. So anyway, that's where we're going to stop with that. But verse 15, her hair is given her for a covering. That covers a lot of things. No, no requirement to have a hat, bonnet, uh, any kind of head covering because her hair does that for as long as she's wearing her hair long, uh, as, as we're told here. Uh, but if any man, verse 16, seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So he's changing topics again. Uh, and, and starting to transition to communion and the Lord's Supper. And he says, uh, now I forgot to tell you all something, but uh, verse 1, Paul, Paul, I wrote these notes down and I skipped right over them, but uh, Paul is saying in verse 1, it's very clear that he's not only preaching the doctrine they need to follow, but he's saying imitate my life. And the reason that's important is imagine Paul preaching to them, you, the man needs to have short hair, it's a shame if he doesn't. And he comes in with long, you know, flowing hair down to his shoulders and brushing it out of his eyes. P Paul is saying, follow me as I follow Christ. I am, I am t doing what I'm preaching to you. This is not just what you see all the time in churches, especially uh, uh, cults, preaching one thing, doing something completely different. The pastor. Paul is saying, I am living a life that you can imitate. Follow me. But it's also interesting, the end of the verse, even as I also am of Christ. He's not saying blindly do what I'm telling you to do. He's saying I'm following Christ to the best of my ability. And you'll hear our pastor say this all the time. 
I'm not telling you to do something I'm not doing. It's from the Bible, and I, I, am, I probably spend the most time with him than anybody else, and I'm not saying this just because he's my brother. He tries to follow exactly what he's preaching, and that's what Paul is saying. I'm doing exactly what I'm telling you. Follow me as I follow Christ, um, which is very nice to have. It's not, sometimes we read things in the Bible, and we're like, what, is that? what does that mean? Well, if you have somebody who's saying, I believe this is what the Bible means, follow me. Do what I'm doing as I'm following Christ to the best of my ability. It helps us, and that's what Paul is saying there in verse 1. Um, but verse 16 then, uh, Paul tells them, I hear that you have divisions. Uh, let's see, what verse is it? 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So he's, he's finishing up the thought, the starting thought in verse 16. Uh, if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom. Uh, I don't know if, if, if with the Greek um, uh, learning and all of that, that they loved contention, they loved to debate and argue and things like that, but I do think that's what Paul is addressing here. If any man seemed to be contentious in the church, that's not a custom of Christians. We're not in here debating and arguing and, and fighting amongst each other, and then we sit down and sing, you know, Amazing Grace. We're, we're here to love each other, to, to find out what it is that we believe and follow that. We don't have that custom, neither the churches of God. So I, I do think that he's, he's addressing this uh, this debating, this arguing, philosophizing, you know, all of that. I think he's, he's, that had come into the church very much. And they were sitting there arguing over these different doctrines. One of them being the Lord's Supper, as we'll hear, see here in just a minute. But I think that's what he's addressing there. Um, but verse 18, then he says, I hear that there's divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Now, I'm sure he would have loved to have said, I hear there's divisions among you. I, I can't believe that that's going on. But if it is, Paul doesn't say that. He says, and I partly believe it. So what he has seen, what he has heard, he's saying, I, I think it is what's going on. You guys have divisions. Remember, very first thing, chapter 1, uh, verse, uh, verse uh, let's see. Chapter 1, verse, where's it at? Verse 12. Now, this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am Cephas, I am of Christ. This is Chloe saying, hey, there's divisions. And so Paul here in chapter 11, uh, verse 18 says, I, I believe there are divisions, and, and I'm going to address that. Verse 19, for there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So Paul's saying there are divisions, uh, and part of the problem is one of you is right, he addresses that, though, in verse, in verse 18. One of you is right, or verse 16, sorry. One of you is right, but you don't need to be contentious about it. You don't need to be arguing and, and, and fighting amongst yourselves in church. One of you is right, but that means the other three. I'm of Paul, Apollos, Cephas, and Christ. Some of you are actually involved in heresies, verse 19. There must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So he said, you're, you're right, but you're contentious about it. And then some of you have heresies, and I'm going to address that here. Verse 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. And, it, and 
so we get from this very much the, uh, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. But Paul, Paul goes about it kind of in a way where you're, it's kind of hard to figure out what, what he's talking about. Not that you can't read it and say, okay, this must be what's happening. But he's kind of he's talking about the Lord's Supper, but he's talking about some people being drunk and, and all this. What is he talking about? This is what happened. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about Christian liberty of, of specifically with the Corinthians, eating things offered to idols, uh, partaking in the feasts actually in the temple, and Paul addressed that. You have to remember, and this is why we went over the first couple weeks, all that introduction to Corinth. It was a wicked, wicked city. Thousands of prostitutes were part of the religion at the temple of the Corinthians. And so when they get saved, your, your background, your, your baggage that you bring with you when you come to Christ, it doesn't all just disappear. You have different life experiences that you draw on. They're not all bad, but you draw on those life experiences. There are some things that you would love to never have experienced, but you know what? You did experience them, and they're part of your makeup now. And what happened here with the Corinthians is, their life was wrapped completely around this temple and, and sacrificing and uh, eating the food sacrificed to it. But we pray before our meals. Uh, when we pray, we say, hey, would you say the blessing, asking God to bless the meal, right? They sacrificed basically all of their meals before they would eat them. And we saw that, I think, in, in chapter 8. They would sacrifice them and then bring them home and eat them and invite their friends and everything else. What was happening with the Corinthian believers now is they're coming to the Lord's Supper, but bringing some of these ideas with them. So what would they do at a, at a feast to one of their gods? They would get drunk, everything else. Well, here they are in verse 20. Or, uh, verse, uh, I just read it. It's uh, 21. And it, for an eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper and one is hungry and another is drunken so he's saying you're, you're coming to the lord's table and some of you are drunk what's that about well i think that's the background there is they're they're bringing these uh rituals to the lord's supper thinking this is just the new god we serve and paul is is correcting that now uh matthew henry said this about the ordinances uh, one being the Lord's Supper. The ordinances of Christ, if they do not make us better, will be very apt to make us worse. If they do not do our souls good, they do us harm. If they do not melt and mend, they will harden. And what is he talking about there? Look at verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And pastor talks about this every time we have uh, the Lord's Supper or communion, make sure, that's why he tells us ahead of time, make sure that your heart is right. Everything in your life that you know is not right, get it right because he that eateth or, and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And that's what Matthew Henry is saying. It's better that you don't do it at all than to do it unworthily because verse 20 uh well, verse 28, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And we're going to get to this in a second. But for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Some did it unworthily, and they're dead. 
So that's what Matthew Henry is saying. If we don't do them, uh, if, if they don't make us better, they will very apt, they're very apt to make us worse. We need to follow the way that God has told us uh, to do the Lord's Supper especially. Now, uh, what was happening here also is people were coming to the Lord's Supper with these feasts, I guess, and Paul addresses this here in um, 20, verse 22. Uh, no, verse 21. Uh, For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What was happening is they were bringing these feasts, and they were getting into their little families or their little groups, and some would be bringing a whole feast, and others didn't have food to bring, and they weren't sharing with them. So one would be uh, this huge feast, and another one is hungry. The poor were, were not being helped at all, and that's what Paul's saying. That's not even what the Lord's Supper is, and then you bring this meal to church and won't share it with, with the poor. Um, I think that's exactly what he's talking about. So he's saying, if you want to eat, eat at home, and then come to the Lord's Supper, and, and it's not a meal to be had. It's not a time of fellowship like we do sometimes on a Sunday afternoon between services. That's not what this is. The Lord's Supper is a very serious time, uh, and, and I know you all are familiar with this. I'm not trying to instruct you on what the Lord's Supper is, but that's what Paul is telling the Corinthians. You have to remember, these are brand new baby Christians. Imagine never having heard the communion or the Lord's Supper, and now you come to church, and the pastor says, we're going to take communion. What is that? So that's, that's where Paul's uh, mindset is in trying to instruct the Corinthians. They... They knew what it was, but did not understand the importance of it. Um, And I'm looking for a verse here. Verse 23. Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Remember, Paul was in the desert in Arabia being taught by Jesus Christ. Paul was not there with the other apostles on the first day. Lord's Supper. He says that in verse 23. I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. The same night Jesus was betrayed, he took that bread. And he goes through uh, the story of what happened that night. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. He's telling the church at Corinth what he received from God about what happened that night. Paul was not there. Uh, no doubt at this point, he probably would have talked to other apostles and, and um, been on the fast track of discipleship. But Paul, the reason Paul is an apostle is because he was taught by Christ in that desert in Arabia. Uh, the apostles did not disciple him to get him to where he was at that point. Jesus Christ did that. Um, that's what he says in verse 3. I've received, for I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. You got that from Christ what happened that night. So the, uh, the um, example that Christ gave was they didn't have this whole full-blown meal that he was doing the Lord's Supper at. He took this piece of bread, broke it, gave it to them, and said, eat this uh, in remembrance of what happened to my body, what I did for you. And then in verse 25, after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Um, I was also reading, now you have to remember, Matthew Henry is 
I believe 1600s, early 1700s. And he talks about this and he says, now it's custom every Lord's Day to do the Lord's Supper. So churches used to do it a lot more than, than especially our church does. But I think what happens, and this is what Pastor always talks about when we do the Lord's Supper, he always mentions this, but it has become what the Catholics, it's just a ritual. It's, there's no importance to it. It's just what they do. And I think that's why we do it uh, fairly infrequently. It's not, it's not rare, but it's infrequent, just so that when we do have communion, it's, it's a time of importance, a time of reflecting, uh, not just on you know the good times, but on what we need to fix. Uh, you know how it is. Uh, I'll go from Sunday to Sunday. It seems like a, a flash. It's whoa! It's, it's Sunday already. When when our lives are that busy, a month can go by and you haven't had a time where you really sit down, really really talk to Christ and get things right. I mean that that happens, and that's why Paul is saying here, when you do this. And do as often as you do. He doesn't say when you do this every Sabbath. He says as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. All right, we got just a couple minutes left. Uh, and Matthew Henry says this about uh, uh, up through verses 22. He says this, if they had a mind to feast, they might do it at home in their own houses. But to come to the Lord's table and quarrel and keep the poor from their share of the provision there made for them, as well as the rich, was such an abuse of the ordinance and such a contempt of the poor members of the church, more especially, as merited a very sharp rebuke. So that's what Paul is doing here. You're keeping, if you're going to bring a feast, at least feed the poor people. They're not even doing that. And so Paul is, is rebuking them here. All right. Now, pastor talks about this every time he preaches. And so these are very two very familiar uh, portions of Scripture. One, because pastor just did a lesson on it. Two, because we talk about this every time we have the Lord's Supper. But um, the purpose of the Lord's Supper, you see it in verse 26. And pastor talks about this all the time. The upward look, the backward look, the forward look, and the inward look. Uh, examine yourselves till he come. That's that forward look. You're, you're looking for the coming of Christ uh, the backward look, it's a memorial for what Christ did for us. And the upward look, doing this in obedience uh, to what God has commanded us to do so that we remember what he did for us. And then verse 27 through 30, Paul talks about the penalty for doing this uh, unworthily. Uh, and we already kind of touched on that. But I think here's the importance of this whole, this passage is... Um, the examining. Let a man examine himself. Uh, verse 28. That's, that's what the Lord's Supper is about. Pastor talks about this all the time. What a perfect uh, setup that, that Christ made. You will do this. You will take the Lord's Supper. You will do this in remembrance of me. This is an ordinance the church must do, but you will not do it unworthily. That gives us one ultimatum. Fix what's wrong and then do the Lord's Supper worthily, right? So I'm not going to get super deep into that because Pastor talks about that every time. But that I think that is the key here to what Paul is trying to teach the Corinthians. This is not about fellowship and eating and having a full-blown meal like you used to do with your gods at the temples. This is about a small piece of food that we are remembering Christ's body with, a small cup of juice 
that we are remembering his blood by and what it meant to us and what it means to us. And then examining ourselves because, um, let's see, verse... um, Verse 27. He that eateth this bread and drinketh this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's a, that's, a, that's a powerful statement. You're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Basically, you're crucifying him again. You're killing him again when you do this unworthily. Uh, so Paul is just trying to show the importance of uh, examining ourselves and make sure everything is right before we take it. Um, verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Uh, Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. That ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Paul's, Paul finishes this by saying, I'm coming. I'm going to come back and visit you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some more instructions when I get there. But for now, if you follow this, you're going to be on the right track. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Um, verse 1, I don't think Paul is saying, hey, follow me as I follow Christ in the Lord's Supper. He wasn't there to show them how to do it. He's teaching them. But he says that at the very end. When I come, the rest will I set in order when I get there. And, and we'll... Uh, We'll talk. We'll we'll teach more about it. I think is what he was saying. And I think I think the church at Corinth they did not. Obviously, they were not afraid of Paul coming. They wanted him to come. Um, they were not uh, doing these things on purpose to try to. Well, we don't care what Paul said. We're going to do this. They just didn't know what they were supposed to do, and that's why they wrote Paul, the guy they respected, the guy who probably saw many of them saved, led them to Christ. They're his sons in the faith. And so, that hey, Paul, what do we do? Especially the ones that were doing it the way Paul had set it up in the first place, or the way Paul had taught them that Christ set it up. Uh, they're saying, hey, these people are doing, they're coming to church drunk. Or, or they're coming to the Lord's Supper and getting drunk. That can't be right, is it? And so that's why they're writing to Paul. And he's, he says, do these things. When I get there, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it We'll we'll in person. Maybe even I'll show you. I'll run a service when I get there uh, doing the Lord's Supper, and I'll show you how it's supposed to be done. But anyway, two very familiar uh, topics, I think, uh, but it's good to remember, and it's also part of, part of our lesson coming through 1 Corinthians. And we'll have a few more chapters like that that are very familiar to us, um, but we'll kind of go through them verse by verse. But the Lord's Supper... Even when we're not in a communion service, it's good to remember to examine ourselves. We should examine ourselves daily. I know we don't always have the time we would like to have to spend in God's word and on our knees. We don't always have the time. We're we're very busy as Americans, but I think it's very important that we take that time, examine ourselves, make sure everything's right, so that when we do have the Lord's Supper, we're not spending three hours, four hours on Sunday afternoon. Oh, please. Uh, kind of joking there, but, but examine ourselves daily. But especially when we take the Lord's Supper, don't do it unworthily. All right? Let's break, and then we will get into chapter 12 next week. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for another opportunity we have to open your word. God, I pray that you would help us, uh, especially as we think about the the body that was broken and the blood that was spilt for us. God, I pray that 
nothing we do uh, in our lives would be uh, unworthy of that sacrifice. But God, I pray especially as we uh, take the Lord's Supper and, and make sure that we're doing it the proper way, that we would just examine ourselves, make sure our lives are clean, and I uh, pray that we would do that every day. God, I pray that you would help me uh, just to make sure that my life is clean and make sure it's an example uh, to other believers, to my, to my family, and uh, God, that we would just uh, examine ourselves, make sure we're right, and so that we can please you with our lives. I pray that you would bless this next hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.